0: victory what's going on everybody hey guys let's welcome everybody online as well we got some family from colombia nigeria and paraguay what is up all around the world joining us today um, hey guys! Uh, a number of years ago, uh, we were closing out a church service, and as we do from time to time, we made uh, we created a moment there at the end of the service just to kind of like be still, to be quiet, and to ask God to speak. You know, some of us, many of us, we don't prioritize that on a daily basis. So sometimes we just create those opportunities at the end of a service. And so I remember that. Like I was preaching that day, I said, "Hey, the worship team's going to come out. We're just going to sit." We're gonna listen, and I was, I was pumped. I was excited, because I was ready for God to say God stuff. You know, like what, like, you know, like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Like, just keep running the race, live the life that I have set for you. Like, I'm ready to hear all of that stuff. So I, I assume the position, I sit on the floor, and the band's like, tink tink ting, tink ting ting, ting, ting. You know, like, just going at the keys a little bit. And then I say, speak God, for I'm listening. And then God spoke, and he said, Johnson. And I said, yes, Lord. And I'm like, this is gonna be so good. Say to me all the God stuff that you're about to say. He said, Johnson, next year, I want you to give away $10,000 above your regular tithes and offerings. And I'm like, that can't be God. That's the devil trying to trick me into being like Jesus again. I'm like, to, my check, my check. There's no way that's God. And I, because I don't, I'm not sure what your finances look like, but I did not just have $10,000 like sitting in a briefcase somewhere. Like that, I don't roll like that. And, and so I start wrestling with God. You know, like everybody else is there like, yes, Jesus, like having a moment. And I'm like, oh God, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna. But if you've ever wrestled with God, you last about 60 seconds. And you realize how futile it is because, because he's irresistible. It's his kindness that always draws us in. And, uh, I, and so I just, I cave and I but I know I have to, I know me, right? So I know I have to go home until summer or else I'm gonna talk myself out of it. So I go home, I talk to summer. I'm like, hey babe, here's what, here's what God said. And I'm just hoping beyond hope that she's like, wow, that's, that's totally not God, you missed it. But of course she is who she is. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. Let's do it. And I'm like, yay. (laughs) So I sit down with the budget and I start crunching numbers, right? And I'm like, all right, we're we're gonna cancel cable and we're gonna eat peanut butter and jelly six days a week. And we're gonna sell one of the kids. Like, (laughs) I don't know which, we're gonna let them duke it out and whoever wins, you know? Um, (laughs) And so that was, it was like, panic and chaos in my soul for like a week, like, oh God, this is gonna hurt so bad. But you know how it works. Um, The next week, I kid you not, the next week we get a phone call and it was from Summer's old job And before Summer left the company, she had bought stock in the company. And we thought we would never see that money again because it wasn't public stock. It was like internal stock. And so they were about to sell the company. And so they were taking all the stock back. And so they said, hey, this next week, you're going to get a check in the mail for $10,000. Proving once again that if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Um, And so at that point, I wasn't angry anymore. I was like, all right, I see what you're doing right there. Okay, all right, I can do that. I can do that. But what it did inside me, it sparked, listen guys, this sparked one of the most exciting seasons of our entire lives. Why? Because we literally had $10,000 that was off limits. $10,000 that I couldn't touch. I was walking around with $100 bills, y'all, in my wallet, looking for people to bless. Come on, how amazing? I was literally, I spent an entire year with money on hand walking around looking for who we could bless. And we gave a few thousand dollars to the Victory Building Fund that was going on at that time. We helped another one of our friends pay for um, her um, college tuition for that semester. We uh, gave to uh, family, we gave to friends, we gave to literal neighbors. Um, We left some really good tips that year Come on, Christians, you should be the best tippers. Don't be going out on Sunday afternoon leaving $0 and a track. Don't be those people. I know we don't got those people here. Um, uh, one time we actually went to QT down the street and we paid for people's gas. Like literally they were there and we're like, insert the credit card, I got gotcha. And what it did, it started opening up all these crazy opportunities to talk about Jesus, right? Because, I mean, we weren't going full force with it, but it was simply this. Like we would pay and we'd be like, hey man, I just wanna let you know, God hasn't forgotten about you. Jesus loves you and the church is here for you. You're not forgotten. And I'm here as a tangible reminder to you that God hasn't forgotten about you. And what that did, it got us down this road of the red letters, what Jesus says here in Matthew 5. Here's what he says. He says, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Everybody say shine. 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 He says this. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Another translation says, let your light shine for all the world to see that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this entire year, it was absolutely amazing. I don't know if I've ever experienced joy like that before. And here's how I'd say it. It was in essence the fork in the road and our lives from moving us from being takers to being givers. And now I can say this beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because I've done it, I've done it. So here's the question, here's the question. How many of you wanna be able to live like that? Come on, having money on hand so you can be generous to the world around you. Come on, how, let me see the hands. How many of you want to be generous like that? Come on, online, driving down the, down the street. All right, woo. All right, put your hands down. Don't raise your hand for this next question. How many of you are actually able to live like that? A few less hands. Guys, here's the deal. I want it, and I think even more importantly, God wants it for every single one of us to have the gift of being able to live generously. But in order to live like that, we're gonna have to live different. We're gonna have to live different. Because here's the deal, guys. (laughs) Um, We did not get a $10,000 check in the mail the next year. But I had already tasted generosity. And I couldn't get the taste out of my mouth. And so we had to start entering into this conversation to say, hey, if we're gonna continue on in that lifestyle, then we're gonna have to start thinking about money differently. We're gonna have to start living towards money differently. We're gonna have to reorient our lives and how we interact with money. Because here's the deal, here's how I'd say it, I just kind of boil it down to this, is that there's three levels the world lives at in regards to money. Here's the first one, is content living in debt, right? The second level is striving to break even, and the third one is accumulating more, and more, and more, and more, and more. This is kind of the the spectrum. This is the movement that a lot of people go through. And so the first one is that like, well, everybody else has debt, so it's not a big deal. Forgetting that the borrower is slave to the lender, right? Or the the second place of like, man, if I could just break even. Like some of us, that's our dream. Like if I could just pay the credit cards off at the end of the month, if I could just get the creditors to stop calling, that is my dream. And we forget that God God did not make us just to get by. God created us to thrive. But here's the deal. The, The world, the ultimate place that the world lives for is accumulating more and more and more and more. Why? Because YOLO. Come on, somebody, you only live once, So I gotta store up, I gotta get more, I gotta go get the bag, come on. I I gotta get the vacation home and the extra car for the vacation home because I don't have to take my car to the vacation home. I want a car, I want the Lambo at the vacation home on the beach. That's what I want and I wanna store up. I gotta get the stuff, I gotta get all the things that they have and one newer version of that and I gotta store up the bank account so I can retire five times. That's what I want. And we forget that Jesus actually spoke to that person who's all about building bigger barns and accumulating and accumulating. Here's what he says, Luke 12. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And guys, here's the news flash. All right, here's the news flash for today. I know Instagram tells you something different. I know all the social media tells you something different. I know your neighbors tell you something different, but the measure of the success of our lives is not based on how much we've accumulated. And that Winston Churchill, he said it like this. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And it's here that we meet the real issue because here's the real issue. There is inside every single one of us, this selfish, greedy, grasping, covetousness, accumulating nature. But when we meet the extravagant generosity of Jesus, his nature starts invading our lives. And what happens is it results in this almost like tug of war. You ever felt a tug of war before in your soul? Come on, where you're like, ah, I want to do this, but ah, I really want to do this. You ever had that thing of like, oh, oh, I really want the Yeezys, but I also want to bless that guy. (laughs) What do I do? Because you can't do both. So here's the question. How do we actually practically become people who are a blessing to the world around us? So here's the deal. So far in this series, we've talked about a handful of things. We've talked about encountering the extravagant generosity of God. We've talked about mastering the power of money. Last week, I talked about why I tithe. And this week, we're talking about this thing called strategic stewardship. Strategic stewardship. So we've all heard of stewardship before. This is essentially trying to take good care of what's in your hands, trying to take good care of what's, what's uh, in your possessions. But strategic stewardship, that word strategic is so key. That word strategic actually means there's a reason why I wanna be a good steward. So what's the reason? What's the reason I wanna get out of debt? What's the reason that I don't wanna break, live for just breaking even? What's the reason why I don't wanna live for accumulating? Here's the reason, here's strategic stewardship is living beneath our means so we can be generous. Living beneath our means, I know that's, this is so foreign. Listen, today is World War III against American dream culture. Just go ahead and get ready for it. This is, why you, this is why you're hating this right now. You understand? Because we live in a culture that is opposite of the kingdom. And so everything around you says, live in debt, strive to break even, accumulate more and more. God says, live beneath our means so we have money on hand to be generous. See our reason for strategic stewardship is that we don't just want the world to hear about God's blessings we want them to experience God's blessings Come on I don't want to just live by hey come come with me to church No man I want to take church to the world Come on it's not just hey come come with me and meet the Jesus that the pastor is going to talk about No Jesus actually said that they're going to know that we're disciples by the way that we love And now here's the deal guys, what would happen if we broke free from the debt cycle? What would happen if we refused to live for just breaking even? What would happen if we rejected the world's way of accumulation, but instead we live beneath our means so we had money on hand to be generous to the world around us? That is strategic stewardship. Living beneath where I could live so I have money on hand to be generous. Listen, living beneath where I could live So I have money on hand to be generous. And today, here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite you into this joy-filled life of strategic stewardship. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you what I would just call three principles of strategic stewardship, and then we're gonna do something really cool. We're gonna do something really cool. Okay, here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. Here's the first principle of strategic stewardship. It's called the ownership principle. Everybody say ownership. Ownership. The ownership principle. Principle, okay. So I remember when, when our boys uh, were younger, uh, we, we started giving them allowance. Now again, not just free money. It wasn't total socialism, but it was pretty much, all right. So uh, we, we gave them a little bit of allowance, but we were trying to teach them. We did the, like, the Dave Ramsey thing on them, all right. So we, they, we gave them all envelopes. All right, And so there was a tithe envelope, a saving envelope, and a spending envelope. And so I remember we sat down with Isaac, who's right here, right over here. And we said, Isaac, here's $5. Okay, but here's how we're going to do this. Okay, So what's 10% of $5? Okay? And we did all the math, so 50 cents. So we took two quarters out of the $5, and we put them in the tithe envelope. All right, and we said, okay, here's the deal. I wanna teach you not just spend everything you have, but we're gonna start this journey of saving because a rainy day, or you're gonna find something you don't don't even think you even want right now, but you're gonna find it, and so we want you to have some money saved up. And so then we put a dollar into the the saving envelope, and then we put $3.50 into the spending envelope, and we explained it to him. You get it? He's like, yes, I get it. The next morning, I wake up, and I have this sneaking suspicion And so I go into Isaac's room and I look in the tithe envelope and lo and behold, it's empty. (laughs) And I look in the saving envelope, lo and behold, it's empty. I look in the spending envelope, $5. And I grab Isaac and I say, (laughs) Isaac, did you take all the money out of your tithe envelope and all the money out of your saving envelope and put it all into your spending envelope? And he's like, Busted! But here's the deal. We do the same thing. See, here's the deal. When we think that all the money is ours, the money gets funny. See, one of the biggest mistakes you'll ever make with your money is actually thinking it's yours. (laughs) Because here's what we do. We take from the tithe, we take from the saving, we take from the generosity, and we point all the arrows at us. Right, and we spend it on us. Why? Because we have this kind of twisted way of thinking. Here's how we think. Here's how we think. Very, very, very worldly. Here's how we think. We think, I worked hard for this, so I deserve to spend it however I see fit. And we forget that it's all God's anyways. It's all God's anyways. Here's what, here's what King David said in Psalm 24:1. He said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Hebrew actually means everything, everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Think about this, Genesis, right? When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, what did he put them there to do? To be stewards over the world. Who was the owner? God is the owner, they're the stewards. They're living in the world that he created because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Think about it like this. Whenever you go to stay at somebody else's house, you treat it differently than you treat your own house, right? Right? Or else you ain't getting invited back. Right? You better be careful how you take care of somebody else's things, or else don't expect it to be given more. Come on. See, think about it like this. There are three levels of control. There are three levels of control that we all go through. Here's the first one. Is possessions are in control of you. You're in control of possessions or God is in control of it all. Come on, it controls you, you control it, or God controls it and you. Guys, it's all his. And this is the realization, this is the place we have to come, come to, okay? That nothing we have is ours. Listen, my time's not mine, my kids aren't mine, my marriage isn't mine, my job's not mine, my, my very breath is not mine, it belongs to the Lord. Everything I have, I have been given. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So here's the deal, we cannot say something like this. If it's all God's, we can't say this. We can't say, well, the first 10% belongs to God, but the other 90% belongs to me. Because here's what we do when we live like that. We say, all right, God gets the tithe, but then we take the other 90% and we spend it like drunken sailors, right? And we just go absolutely crazy with it. We get in this crazy debt and then we try and claim promises of God when we weren't good stewards. But guys, it's all God's. He's the owner, we're the stewards. So we need to steward 100% of of the money his way, not just 10%, 100% of it because it's all God's. And when we start seeing everything in our hands, everything about our lives as belonging to God, and listen, I'm just the manager of it then it starts breaking me out of this thing of I can do whatever I want to with it. And now I actually have to start spending my whole life God's way. Not just 10%, 100% because it all belongs to him. And he's the owner. He's the owner. So that's the first principle. Here's the second principle. Principles of strategic stewardship. The second one is the contentment principle. Everybody say contentment. Contentment. Um, A few months ago, uh, Jeremiah, my older son, who's now 16, he went to a birthday party at an uh, airsoft range. And if y'all don't know what airsoft is, it's basically like, um, like pretend combat with BBs, you know, like shooting at each other. And if you're a professional airsofter and you're like, no, man, it's real, I'm sorry. Um, it's real, just like wrestling is real, I promise. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so Jeremiah went, right, with a bunch of his butts and he comes back. And he's just angry. He's like, he's doing the, he's doing the teenage thing. If you've got teenagers, you ever been a teenager, you know, he's like, Ugh. walks in stomping, slamming doors. And I'm like, bro, what's going on, man? Because I'm thinking somebody was a jerk. I'm thinking somebody shot him like a hundred times. Like, what, what happened? Like, come on, come on, talk to me. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. And he like walks, stomps up the stairs. And so I follow him. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Slams his door, open his door. I'm like, bro, talk to me. He says, We were all there, and we were about to play. And then I looked up, and I saw a gun for sale. And my 16-year-old son, who was making $7.75 an hour, working at Chick-fil-A, bought a $400 airsoft gun and immediately regretted it. And now he's sad and angry and broke and moping because he bought something he shouldn't and he's already trying to strategize about how he can sell it. Cause he can't give it back. It don't work like that. Open box. And he's thinking about eBay or something. So listen, if you're in the market for... <laughs> a twice used airsoft gun at full price. My 16-year-old is your man. Anybody in here ever bought something you shouldn't have? (laughs) Anybody ever done something dumb with money, and you're immediately like, oh, gosh. You know what that makes you? If you've done something dumb with money, it makes you alive. That's what it does. It means you're breathing. Because we've all made foolish decisions. We've all gotten in debt. We, we, listen, you may have been the person who got the credit card because you wanted the t shirt. When I was at UGA, go dogs, um, at, the, at the football games, they would set up like the visa or, you know, tables and like, hey, get, the, get your University of Georgia t shirt. And you walk up like, what, how do I get the t shirt? All you gotta do is sign up for a credit card, get a free t shirt. All you gotta do is owe us for the rest of your lives. The an $8,000 T-shirt if you want it. <laughs> or maybe you were maybe you're the one who bought the furniture because you didn't have to pay for it for five years. But then the problem was five years later came and you didn't even have the furniture anymore. You didn't like the furniture. Anybody ever had to pay for something you don't even have anymore? Oh, there's no worse feeling in the world than that. Like I'm still paying for this. Are you kidding me? And we get into debt. We get into school debt, back taxes. Anybody ever gotten suckered into a timeshare? Sounds so reasonable in the moment. You're like, I could come to Jamaica every six months. That's what I would do. I would just live here at the beach, right? No, you don't. It doesn't work like that or the shoes, or the purse, or whatever it is. And we know how it works, right? The car, like, we know how it works. It's like there's this light from heaven that comes down right on the thing. And you're like a moth to the flame. You're like, I can't help myself. I have to swipe, get it, oh, what did I do? I'm so sorry, God. Right? Immediate regret. And I think here's what we have to understand. Here's what we have to begin understanding. There's nowhere in scripture that God uses debt to bless his people. (laughs) Proverbs 22, seven says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Debt is a slavery issue because it keeps us chained to the lender. Listen, if you're saying like, "Hey, hey, I've never been a slave to anybody. I'm not a slave, all right? Just don't pay your bills. And then let's see what happens. Because debt forces us to serve the lender instead of serving the Lord. Because the enemy knows if he can get us trapped in a lifestyle of debt, then he can control how we live our lives. Because when we're chained to the past, then we can't go when God says to go. And we can't give when God says to give. Right, Because we're chained to things that that we bought in the past. We're chained to the past, so we can't move into the future. Here's the question, guys. What if God called you to be a missionary in another country? Could you go? Could you go next year? Could you go when you're 80? Could you go on your deathbed? Like, could could we ever get to that place? What what if God called you um, to pay for college for a single mom's kid? Could you do it? What if God called you to pay for somebody's gas on the way home? Do you have the means? Do you have money in hand in order to be generous? And today, what we have to do, we have to have a corporate decision, okay? We have to begin choosing to get out of debt. Can, can we do this? Can we, come on, tell me y'all, you, you don't wanna do this yet. Can we say this together? Let's say this together. Today, today. I choose, I choose to, begin to begin getting out of debt. How's that hit you? How's that hit you? you, We gotta start living different. Here's the first thing we have to do. We have to embrace contentment. We have to embrace contentment. First Timothy six, verse six says, "'Now godliness with contentment is great gain, "'for we brought nothing into this world "'and it is certain we can carry nothing out of it.'" Listen, I've done a lot of funerals. I've never seen a hearse pulling a (laughs) U-Haul. Don't work like that, man. Don't work like that. You're not an Egyptian pharaoh. You're not gonna get buried with it. You can't take it with you. Listen, you can't take it with you. So why are we obsessed about it? And what we have to do, we have to stop the rat race of more and more and more and more and more keeping up with the Joneses, right? Because here's the idea. Let Let me say it like this strategic stewardship is not necessarily about making more. It's about spending less, less keeping up with the Joneses, less buying things that are gonna be obsolete in six months or a year. And here, so many of us are living right at our means. We're maxing out every single month because we ask the wrong questions. What's the question we ask? What's the minimum payment? Can I afford to pay the minimum payment for the next eight years on this car? The next 30 plus years on the house? Can I afford the minimum payment? (laughs) And we ask things like, how much house can I afford? How much car can I afford? And then we buy right at that level. Listen, nobody is trying to do you any favors. Yeah, you ever try to buy a house, right? And they slide the paperwork or you get the email. Hey, this is how much house you can afford. And you're like, no, I can't. Are you kidding me? I can't afford that. Why? Because what the bank wants you to do is pay just enough and then have to not be able to pay anymore so they can get it back. Nobody's trying to do you any favors. Listen, we're asking the wrong questions, And so what happens is how much house can I afford? So we buy at that level. How much car can we afford? So I buy at that level and we max out everything so we're living at the highest possible means that we can. We're living completely maxed out. And so it causes all this stress in our soul. It causes all this friction in our relationships and our marriages, right? Because we're living maxed out, spending everything on us. What would happen if instead of maxing out our bank account every single month, instead of living in the red or just aiming to live in in the black. What, what What if we actually calculated, come on, this is actually, you gotta pull the calculator out for this one. What if we actually calculated how much we could afford and then we took three or four big steps back and we bought at that level? Because listen, now I have this much extra Oh gosh, isn't that a great word? Extra. Extra. Y'all ever heard that word before when it came to money? Extra. You don't hear that word because the world is a system of debt where you're never in the extra because it wants you to buy at the max range that you can possibly buy at. What would happen if instead of always living here, we lived here so we had money on hand to be generous? but we'll never get there unless we're content. Think, super practical. I'm not a financial consultant. Don't get mad at me. What if instead of buying a $500 a month car, what if we did a $400 a month car? Or what if you just paid for it, by the way? Don't talk to Dave Ramsey about that one, but, but listen, 500 versus 400. Now I have $100 every month. Listen, just think about this. You have a $100 bill in your pocket walking around looking to find somebody to bless. It's that simple. It's living within a budget, it's capping the budget, saying that when I get a raise, when I get more money, my standard of living is not gonna increase. What it's saying is I'm gonna draw a line, and here's the principle of contentment. I'm gonna say, what I have is enough. Can you say that? (laughs) What I have is enough. (laughs) Come on, Americans, come on. What I have is enough. Now with, with the extra that comes in, instead of taking me to accumulation, it's instead gonna take me to generosity because I refuse to let my level of living to determine my standard of giving. I want my standard of giving to determine my standard of living. That's what I want. I wanna be led by generosity, not led by greed. That's what I want. And this is contentment. Listen, please do not walk away condemned. It is not wicked to spend money on yourself. It is not, it is not. Please do not misunderstand me. But here's what I'm saying. I resist the culture of the world. And I do not wanna be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. I wanna be transformed by the renewing of my mind in the ways of the kingdom. And so I refuse to live in a debt cycle. I refuse to live trying to break even. I refuse to live in the way of the world, longing for accumulation. What I wanna do is actually live beneath my means so I have money on hand to be a blessing to the world around me. I actually wanna have money so I can let my light shine. I wanna let my light shine so others would see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. And that is the principle of contentment. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Principle of strategic stewardship. It's the wisdom principle. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. wisdom, wisdom. Um, Today, I believe that God is saying in order to fix our financial problems, he wants to give us something. Come on, you know what you wanna ask for. You know what you need. In order to fix all of our financial problems, God wants to give us more money. No, to fix our financial problems, God wants to give us more wisdom. Some of you are like, no, that's dumb, dumb, (laughs) dumb. Hey guys, listen, there are millionaires who declare bankruptcy every day. Your solution isn't more money. Your solution is more wisdom because wisdom is being able to make Good decisions with the knowledge that you have. Good decisions, good godly decisions. Proverbs 3, happy is the man, happy is the person who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding for her wisdoms, proceeds are better than the profits of silver and are gained that of fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. So what we really need, listen, we're not allergic to more money, come on Jesus, But what we really need is more wisdom in order to handle the money that we do have to steward it better, okay? So what I wanna do, I wanna wanna give you a few, I would just call call them nuggets of wisdom. I just wanna give you a few, not a financial advisor, but I got a little bit to share with you, okay? Here's the first one, blow your mind. If you're in debt, stop charging on credit cards. You're like, what? I don't even understand that. Okay, if you're in debt, don't keep going more in debt. If you're, if you're bleeding out, don't keep getting shot, right? I know this, this is easier done for some of us because some of us are super deep in a hole, okay? And so today's the day that you start getting out of that hole. But here's the deal. Some of us, we live, we live perpetually swiping. Why? Because of the airline miles. Because the 2% back. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we're, we got this strategy in our mind. I'm gonna be a millionaire with the 2% back. Right, and yeah, I know that they charge me 20% APR, but it's gonna work out. It's all gonna break even, I'm gonna get ahead. Here's the, I promise you, I promise you that the airline miles you're getting are not going to outweigh the interest you're paying unless you pay it off in full every single month. If you can't pay your, your, your credit card in full every single month, don't, don't use it when you could use something else. All right, here's the second one. Never fall for get rich quick schemes. <laughs> okay, the lottery is not your plan to get out of debt. And I know, I know listen, we spent hundreds, literally the statistics, hundreds of dollars per person are spent on the lottery every single year, per person. And I know, I know you've got your deal worked out with God. We're like, oh Jesus, oh, if these, I'm gonna scratch these numbers. Oh, and if it comes through, You know, God, I'm gonna tithe (laughs) off of this money and me and you, we're gonna do great things. (laughs) Guys, if it seems too good to be true, probably is. It probably is, don't fall for it, don't fall for it. Here's the third wisdom nugget. Shift from short-term to long-term thinking. See, here's the deal. Short-term thinking wants you to buy whatever's in front of your face. That's what the light is shining on, right? And so we have to shift from short-term to long-term thinking. Long-term thinking says, I don't wanna live trying to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses are gonna be broke in 10 years. The Joneses are fighting. The Joneses are gonna get divorced over money. The Joneses are gonna declare bankruptcy. The Joneses are gone every single weekend and their kids aren't growing up in the way of the Lord. They're gonna lose their kids, Come on, long-term thinking thinks past today to tomorrow's tomorrow. And so long-term thinking asks questions like this. It asks questions like this. Is the job that I'm in progressing me towards the calling of God on my life? If not, then I need to start looking for a change. I need to go get some, some continuing education, whatever that is. Um, long-term thinking, if your student asks, is this field of study actually employable. Listen, I know you love philosophy. <laughs> Pastor Dennis talks about this. This was his, his degree. Um, not so many people hiring philosophers these days. <laughs> um, we don't live in ancient Greece. I'm sorry. It's just... Uh, my degree was geography. Um, there's a few jobs out there. But guy here's what I'm saying. Long-term thinking moves past, do I like it? To say like, can I go somewhere with this, right? Long-term thinking asks, is this thing I'm buying gonna be worth anything in six months? Long-term, long-term thinking, again, I'm not an expert, but long-term thinking says, I shouldn't buy the brand new car. Because as soon as I drive it off the lot, of the value is gone. That's long-term thinking versus short-term thinking. Here's the next one. Um, Develop a plan. See, I hope it works out is not a plan. (laughs) I don't know. know, It'll work out. We'll just get there. That's not a plan. So create a plan. Create a budget, right? Create a plan for getting out of debt. Create a plan for investing. What if you actually created a plan to leave an inheritance, What if part of your plan was creating a will? Please, people, we're gonna do this at some point. We're gonna host a workshop to be able to create a will because I see way too many people passing away and they leave this incredible burden on their family. Create a plan, create a plan, create a plan, create a plan. If you don't know how to create a plan, we'll help you create create a plan. Create a plan, create a plan, and even budget in generosity. What if you started at $20 a month? I'm gonna have $20 in my wallet and I'm gonna walk around this month saying, God, who can I bless with this? Who who?" Pray that you would open up a door for me to be able to share Christ with somebody and work it to 50 and then work it to 100, whatever that is over time. Like create a plan, okay? Here's the next one. Uh, Throw off entitlement and work hard. Work hard. Come on. We live in an incredibly entitled generation right now where people think that they deserve a check because they're breathing, okay? (laughs) I get it. That, that's a topic for a different sermon. Um, we live in a world where people get upset when other people get blessed. Like, what does that mean? Dude, you work as unto the Lord. Work as if God is your boss, because guess what? He is, right? John Maxwell said this. He said, um, show up to work 30 minutes early, take a 30-minute lunch, and stay 30 minutes late. And if you do that, you'll almost always be the person who gets the promotion because most people show up 30 minutes late, take an hour and a half for lunch and leave 30 minutes early. Stand out, work hard, work hard. Throw off entitlement and work hard. Here's the last one. Know what you don't know and get help. One of the best things you can say is, I don't know. I can't even tell you how many times a week I say, I don't know, I don't know. But here's the cool thing. There is somebody who does know, and I'll, I'll, let's, let's go find that person. <laughs> let's go find the person who does know, all right? And there's nothing embarrassing about saying, I don't know how to create a budget. I don't I don't know how to create a plan to get out of debt. I don't know how to put a, a wheel together. I don't know how to do that. And if you don't know, God says, ask for wisdom and he'll give it to you. And here's the cool thing. We've decided here at Victory, you don't have to do this by yourself, okay? So we've set up this thing. It's a ministry called Money and Work, money and work, and so we have financial classes, we got financial peace, we got the Dave Ramsey stuff, we, we got all those sorts of things. We even have something you can get involved in tonight. There's a Zoom call like tonight, where you can just jump on there and listen and watch it. So here, I'm gonna give you the website. Okay, victoryatl.com slash money and work. Money and work. If you say, hey, you, can, you might even take a picture of this for somebody else, you're like, this is really for me, but I'm gonna act like it's for my brother, you know? <laughs> All right, so just take a picture of that, it's for your brother. Um, And we'll see you tonight on the Zoom call. Um, Okay, why do we need to do this? Why? Because we need more wisdom. We need more wisdom. It's because God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. And if he can get it through you, I promise he'll get it to you. And this is why we want to practice strategic stewardship, knowing that God is the owner and I'm just the steward, right? That acknowledging that I don't have to have more and more and more, but I need to live content. And if I lack wisdom, I need to ask so that there's extra to have money on hand to be generous and a blessing to the world around me, because we all wanna live like that. So we need to make strategic preparation to live like that. And here's the question, what would happen if you lived like that? what would happen if we all lived like that? And when you live like that, you can do extravagant things like this. Follow me. How many of you know that we have some pretty incredible people here at Victory? Yes. Come on. I want to introduce you to a few of them. And so Rudolph and and Amanda, why don't you stand up to your feet just real quick? You didn't know we were doing this. It's all right. It's good. It's good. Just go with it. Just go with it. Let's give it up for Rudolph and Amanda. So Rudolph and Amanda are uh, newer here Uh, at Victory, even though some of your family uh, has been here for a while and they told us about your story. And in fact, I was able to even watch some of the news articles talking about your story because your story is a pretty dramatic one. Um, It is real deal. And your story of love and your story of generosity um, absolutely blew us away absolutely blew us away. And so what we want to do, um, I, wanted, I, if it's a guy, I want to tell a little bit of your story here. So we're going to do this a little bit differently. And so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask everybody else to stay seated, but I want you guys to come with me, okay? Including you guys right here, and I'm going to talk about y'all in just a second. So here's a little bit of the story. If I could have Rudolph and Amanda kind of with me and you guys falling a little bit behind. A little bit behind. Um, Right at this place where you guys had entered into emptiness for life. Come on. Um, Tragedy hit your family. And right around five years ago, your daughter-in-law passed away from sickness. And then tragedy struck again this last year. Um, And your son, her husband, passed away from COVID. And... To compound that tragedy, they left behind eight boys, eight children, ranging from seven to 17. Let's not forget that part. (laughs) But to keep your grandsons together as a family, you took them in. You took them into your own home and you received them as your own. Instead of letting them become part of the system, you took them into your own. Let's say it again. Eight boys. Seven to 17. Growing up in a different generation than you guys did. You were thrust back into parenting. You were thrust back into school, into sports, into homework, into girls. <laughs> and... Rudolph, I even heard that you went back to work to support the family. And what I want us to do really quickly, Victory, can we honor the generosity of this couple? Let's keep moving, come on. And your sacrifice and your love and your generosity, are absolutely amazing, and we're applauding you today. In fact, we found out to get everybody here to the church today, you had to take three cars. I mean, anytime you go somewhere, you have to take three vehicles. Oh, no. And so, in order to honor your to, to honor you guys, to honor your family, and because we've encountered the extravagant generosity of our God, and because here at Victory, we want to practice strategic stewardship. Living beneath our means, mm. so we have money on hand to be able to be generous. Today, we want to be able to bless you and your big family with a big van. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Oh. Oh oh Are <laughs> you Yeah, it's all yours. Oh. <laughs> Come on, come on, go check it out. Oh my god! Come on, fellas, go check it out. Come on. Hey man, you want to know a crazy thing? Isn't this a drive? Hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to be the first to drive. I want to be. I gotta be the first. I gotta be the first. To drive. Isn't this a crazy thing? Isn't this a van Come on. Who's gonna make it? uh, So victory, here's the deal. This is why we practice strategic stewardship, living beneath our means. So we have money on hand in order to be a blessing to the world around us, letting our light shine so that others would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So right now I'm going to pass it back in uh, to Pastor Darius on the platform. But Victory, now it's your turn.